For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceits that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles become it. And so all Israel shall be saved as it is written. They shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant unto them when I shall take away their sins. As concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sakes. As touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sake. For the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. Dr. John G. Mitchell often asked a question that is still inscribed on the library wall on the campus of Multnomah University. He asked it of every class and challenged every student with it. Don't you folks ever read your Bibles? It is quite evident that he did. Dr. Mitchell once forgot his Bible in his office when he arrived to teach a graduate level class on the Minor Prophets. Without a pause, he quoted the scripture for the day word for word from memory. Dr. Mitchell knew his Bible. Many were blessed by his Bible teaching, and today we invite you to share in those blessings by listening to the Unchanging Word Bible Study. The name of our study, The Unchanging Word, highlights the fact that God's Word has not changed. What God reveals in His written Word was true in the past, is still true today, and will be true tomorrow. The truth in God's Word was, is, and always will be true. God never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Life begins at Calvary, there my Savior died. He took my place and by His grace came with me to abide. All I need for living is mine by just believing. Life begins at Calvary, life that never ends. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Bible Study. Our lesson begins in Romans chapter 11, verse 25 today. Well, continuing on with God's righteousness and grace in dealing with His nation of Israel, we learn that a partial hardening has happened to this nation. It is partial because in due time, God will once again save His people. But meanwhile, God is now dealing with the Gentiles. And what is He doing? Well, he's saving a people out from among the Gentiles. This people is called the church. After God has completed the full number of saved Gentiles, God will then turn once again, send a deliverer from Zion, Jesus the Messiah, and then he will save all Israel. As Jesus personally appeared to Paul, so will the remnant of Israel personally see and believe in their Messiah when he personally appears to them to forgive their sins, and so all Israel will be saved. Well, here is Dr. Mitchell. Join us in Romans chapter 11, verse 25. Thank you. Again, we come to you with our studies in the book of Romans, and we are dealing with this very important fact that God is righteous in the fulfilling of his prophecy to Israel. And we'll be dealing with this right along, right on down through to verse 25. If I may again pick up the connection, he's been talking about the fact that, that God saved the Gentile for the purpose of bringing the Jew to a place of jealousy that he might believe on his own God. Instead of that, they turned against God and God scattered them. Uh, they had been chosen to a place of privilege. 
that is, of becoming God's witnesses to the nations. And having been full of disobedience, the Lord broke off those branches and grafted in the Gentiles. Not to be saved. He's not talking about that here. He's talking about the question of privilege. He's speaking now of the Gentiles as a whole. We were given the job of reaching men irrespective of nationality or color or tongue, Jew or Gentile, to bring to them the knowledge of the Savior. And we find that if we do not be faithful, if we are not faithful as Gentiles in presenting the word of God, then he will cut us off as he did the, Gen the, the Jews. As I say, this is a question of privilege. Now we come on to verse 25 again, just to pick up the connection. For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, that lest you should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. And we were speaking in our last lesson of the fact that the fullness of the Gentiles is the gathering out of a people for his name called the church. This is what God has been doing. You remember, you find this in Acts 15, where Peter declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And after he is through gathering together a people for his name called the church, he's going to return and rebuild again the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down, build up the ruins thereof. Here's the promise of God taking Israel, coming back to them, and building them up as a nation usable in the hands of God of reaching the nations with the word of God. And Paul here writes that we should not be ignorant of the fact that today, for the most part, the Jew is blinded until God's work among the Gentiles is completed. I repeat what I said. I believe we are living now at the very end of this age. The coming of the Lord for the church is very, very near. You and I have been very favored to live to a time when we see God's purpose for his nation being accomplished. Just think of it. For centuries, for centuries, the Jew has wandered all over the world. And now they are recognized for the first time as a nation without being under Gentile domination. And you remember the times of the Gentiles spoken of in Luke 21, that Jerusalem would be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be filled full. And you remember that the times of the Gentiles started with Nebuchadnezzar, as found in the prophet Jeremiah, and this goes right on through until the rapture of the church, the translation of the church. Then God begins to deal again with the nation, Israel. And when he begins to deal with the nation, Israel, he also begins to deal with the Gentile nations as such. You come to the time of the great tribulation after the church is gone, and you find the Antichrist comes on the scene, and the nations will follow Antichrist, and the Jew then will become God's witness to the nations. So you have this in verse verse 25. Now let me read it again, the last part of it. Blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles become in, and so all Israel shall be saved as it is written. They shall come out of Zion the deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant unto them, when I shall take away their sins. As concerning the gospel, they are enemies 
for your sakes, as touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sake. For the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. Let me just stop here without reading any further. Let me go back to verse 26. We've just been speaking of the fact that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. Then what happens? When the church is completed and taken away, then what is God's next move? You mean to tell me you can tell us what God's next move is? Well, I'm just telling you what he's given to us. The Bible is God's communication to you and to me as to his purpose and plan for the earth. And here it is. And so all Israel shall be saved. For as it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant unto them when I shall take away their sins. And remember, even though Israel has been unfaithful to God, God will still be faithful to his covenant, to his promise. Now, someone is going to ask the question, and so all Israel shall be saved. Does that mean that every Jew in the world is going to be saved? No, no. You see, in the time of tribulation, after the church has been taken away, God begins to deal with the nation Israel. But when he begins to deal with the nation Israel, the first thing he does is to purge out of her her rebels, the unbelievers. The believing remnant is going to be saved. You find that, you remember, in Isaiah chapter 4, verses 2 to 6. As I said here in preceding lessons, uh, there is the nation Israel, and there's the godly remnant in Israel. Now, you remember our Lord spoke of that in John chapter 8 when he said, I know you are Abraham's seed, but if you were the children of Abraham, you would believe me. Our Lord recognized this difference. For example, in the book of Ezekiel, allow me to quote to you from the book of Ezekiel chapter 20, verses 37 to 38. You'll notice in that portion of Scripture, God says, I will purge out of you her rebels. I will purge out of you her rebels. I'll take out of you her rebels, those who are in unbelief. In fact, when you come to Zechariah chapter 13, verses 8 and 9, before the Lord recognizes them as his people, he is going to cut off the unbelieving Jew. For I read in Zechariah 13, 8 and 9, I will cut two-thirds of you off and will bring the one-third through the fire. And I will say to them, This is my people. And they will say, Jehovah is our God. So when you speak of the fact that all Israel shall be saved, this is true of what's going to take place when God will take out of Israel the unbelieving Jew. The sad thing, you know, when you realize that the Jews who are going back to Israel today, a great many of them, in fact, the greater percentage of them are going back not to go back to the land to wait for the Messiah to come. They're going back in unbelief. They're going back in unbelief. They're Jews. They're all out for Israel. 
But for a heart burning to see the Savior, that's something else. And just as there was a remnant in the time of Elijah, so, Paul says, at this same time, there's another remnant according to the election of grace. And the nation will be saved entirely on the ground of grace, even as the Gentiles are saved on the ground of grace. You remember in Isaiah 66, we read that a nation, and whoever heard of such a thing, that a nation should be born in a day. How are they going to be born in a day? My friend, they're going to be born in a day when they see the Lord Jesus Christ come. And they're going to say, this is our Lord. We have waited for him. You see, Paul, the Apostle Paul, was saved by a personal appearance of the Savior uh, on the road to Damascus. You read that story in the book of Acts chapter 9. Saul was full of murders and hatred for the Christians, for the people of the way. He called them uh, anything and everything, threw them in jail, ready to kill them, these blasphemers who claimed that Jesus was God. Then God met him. And Paul was saved by a personal appearance of Jesus. That's why in Corinthians chapter 15, the Apostle Paul declared that he was as one born out of due time. Paul, what do you mean by that? Well, the nation Israel is going to be saved in one day by the personal appearance of Jesus Christ. They shall see him, as the prophet Zechariah says, they shall see him whom they pierced, and shall say, Where did you receive these wounds? And he shall say, I received them in the house of my friends. And there will be national repentance. And Paul says, I was born ahead of the time. He knew what the Bible said about the fact that nation Israel was going to be saved by the personal appearance of Christ. As this verse says, Out of Zion shall come forth a deliverer. Not from heaven, but from Zion. And Paul was a living illustration of how the nation was going to be saved. For Paul was saved by a personal appearance of Jesus, and so will the nation. But before he does that, he's going to purge out the rebels. And I'm sorry to say, and yet this is what the Word of God said, that two-thirds, two-thirds of the nation is going to come under the judgment of God. Let me suggest this. The church is going to meet the Lord in the air. You remember Thessalonians chapter 4 says, The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall they ever be with the Lord. But for Israel, he's going to come to the earth. He came the first time to the earth, to fulfill the promises made to the fathers. He's going to come the next time to the earth for the salvation of Israel and to judge the nations of the earth. Now, one only needs to remember uh, Moses' prophecy in Deuteronomy chapter 30. In fact, it's the first time in the Bible where we have the prophecy of the Lord's return to the earth. Now, let me say this. He came the first time to the earth to Israel. I am sent, but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. The Gentiles did not come into the picture 
until after our Lord had died on the cross. When he comes the next time to the earth, he's going to come to Israel. He hasn't been the first time for the church. And actually, to be, to be exact, the second coming of Christ is his coming to the earth to save the nation Israel and to judge the nations of the earth. For the believer, we wait for the translation of the church. We're not going to meet him on earth. We're going to meet him in heaven. We're going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air and to be forever with the Lord. But for Israel, well, for example, you take Hebrews chapter 9, verse 28. He is talking here to, to Hebrews. Hebrews 9, 28, we read, And to those who look for him shall he appear the second time apart from salvation, apart from sin unto salvation. When he came the first time, he came to put away their sins. Matthew chapter 1 says, Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. He came to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. When he comes the next time, he's not going to come with respect to sin. He's going to come to deliver them from their enemies. For you remember when the Lord comes to save Israel, they're surrounded by their enemies. All, all the nations of the earth shall be against Israel. And the only way of deliverance is up. And the Lord is going to come to Zion and deliver them from their enemies. And that's when God begins to pour out his wrath upon the nations of the earth, and he's going to judge them, and then he's going to reign on the earth. And you notice also it says here in verse 27, and this is my covenant unto them when I shall take away their sins. He's going to turn, in verse 26, he's going to turn ungodliness away from Jacob, and this is my covenant unto them when I shall take away their sins. He's going to make a new covenant for the people of Israel. Now, you know, there are those who say, well, Mr. Mitchell, the new covenant is what God made with the church. Now, I'm well aware of the fact that there's a certain sense in which the new covenant um, takes us in. But you take, you take the eighth chapter of the book of Hebrews, where God's going to make a new covenant with the house of Israel. Now, this is made very, very distinct. He's going to make a new covenant with the house of Israel when, when he takes away their sins. You take the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 31, and chapters 32. You take the prophet Ezekiel, chapter 37. You have the same thing, that God is going to take away their heart of stone. He's going to give them a heart of flesh. Let me read from the book of Hebrews just for, to, to confirm what I'm saying. The book of Hebrews chapter 9, pardon me, chapter 8, verse 9, when he talks about the fact, the days come, saith the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Jacob, not according to the covenant I made with their fathers in the day when I took them out of Egypt, because they continued not in my covenant, and I regarded them not. Verse 10, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. Notice now. And I believe he quotes from Jeremiah and Ezekiel. I will put my laws in their minds. 
I will write them upon their hearts. I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. And they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me, from the least to the greatest. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. This is not written to the church. This is written to Israel. Not for we as members of the church, individual Christians, it's true that when you and I accept the Savior, we're forgiven every sin, we're cleansed from every transgression, we pass from death to life, we will never again come into judgment, we're covered with the righteousness of Christ, we become the children of God, the recipients of eternal life and fitted for eternal glory. Now that's the church. And don't you be jealous of what God's going to do with Israel. And remember, it's going to be on the ground of grace. Two-thirds of Israel are going to be cut off. He's going to bring the one-third through the fire. This is what we have in the tribulation period. And according to Jeremiah chapter 30, it's going to be a time of Jacob's trouble. That's when God purges Israel. And then when he comes, he's going to make a new covenant for the house of Israel. He's going to take away their sins. As he said here, I'm going to put my laws in their minds. I'm going to write them in their hearts. I will be to them a God. They shall be to me a people. And nobody shall say to his neighbor, Know the Lord. For all shall know me, from the least to the greatest. I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and, I, and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. And in chapter 10, you have the same thing repeated. And remember, this is to the house of Israel. When God says, I will make a new covenant with them, I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them, and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Now, the new covenant in that sense is given to the people, the godly remnant of Israel who are going to be saved entirely on the ground of the grace of God. Now, you know and I know that for 1,900 years that has not taken place yet. That has not taken place. They've been blinded through their unbelief. It's not even true of Christians. Are your neighbors all Christians? Do you need to tell your neighbor about the Savior? Do they know the Lord? We're living in a day when the Gentiles are turning their backs on the Lord. We're living in a secular society. But in that day, after the church is taken away, he's going to purge out of Israel her rebels. He's going to bring them to himself. He's going to make them a wonderful, wonderful people. They're going to know the Lord after he takes away their saints and brings them into a new covenant with himself. And their sins and their iniquities will be remembered no more. And may I say, my friend, that's true of you now and me. Our sins and our iniquities as believers in Christ, they'll be remembered against us no more forever. As dear John wrote, the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanseth us from all sin, never to be remembered. Oh, hallelujah, what a Savior. 
That can be your experience now. But for Israel as a nation, that's yet to be. So you rejoice in the Lord today that the Lord will never bring your sins and your iniquities ever again to the front. They're forgiven, they're cleansed forever. The Lord bless you. Savior is waiting to enter your heart. Why don't you let him come in? There's nothing in this world to keep you apart. What is your answer to him? Time after time he has waited before, and now he is waiting again to see if you're willing to open the door. Oh, how he wants Thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Bible Study today. We trust that your hearts have been blessed and encouraged through the study of God's Word. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Bible Broadcast. Life begins at hell.